Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Dirty Money. My name is Ben Hedges, and as always, I have Mike in the studio with me today. How are you doing, Mike? Great, Ben. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. Now, you are on the road, so you're joining us from your hotel room, which is pretty awesome. Um, we have a action-packed show for you guys today, okay? So the big news is that uh, FTX, uh, the founder of FTX, Sam Bankman-Fried, who is in a lot of trouble, has had some of his charges dropped, okay? Not all. He's still, he's still on the hook for a lot of things, but he's had uh, a couple of his charges dropped. So we're going to be talking about that and, and why that is. Um, then we're going to be looking at FedNow, which launched last week, the Fed's new instant payment uh, method, which uh, could it be the end of the financial system as we know it? We'll let you know all about that. Then we have Ford, which just uh, took out a $9 billion loan, and that's significant. Mike's going to let you know why in just a second. Uh, and then we've got, uh, we're have got we going to be looking into the Hollywood writers and uh, actors strike, um, which has been stirring things up over there. And then we've got another crypto coin uh, to talk about as well at the end. So, guys, if you are following us on or listening to us on the major podcast platforms, do leave us a five-star review. Share this show with your friends. And if you're on any of the other platforms like Instagram, YouTube, uh, and also TikTok, our handle on all those is at Dirty Money Show. So do give us a follow and you can see a lot more of our small uh, short-form content and reels. But without further ado, let's get started. And uh, I want to talk about the uh, the FTX charge uh, that has been dropped. So um, what this pertains to is actually the finance uh, contributions, um, uh, campaign finance violations. So Sam Bankman-Fried, if you don't know, he was the biggest uh, Democrat donor after George Soros uh, in Washington, D.C. There he is. And um, basically... This charge was not on the original extradition uh, warrant uh, from the uh, from the Bahamas, okay? Because he was extradited from the Bahamas to the U.S. And this charge was something the U.S. prosecutors added later, this campaign finance violation thing. Um, so actually, the judge decided because it was added later, um, they basically the prosecutors ended up having to drop the charge. And a similar thing happened with the uh, bribery charge uh, he was accused of bribing a Chinese official to unlock um, frozen assets. Uh, that charge was apparently also not on the initial extradition, um, you know, charges. I think it was 11 charges, and it was later raised up to 13. Um, so now I think he's on the, he's basically, he's still in trouble. He's still in a lot of trouble. Um, but uh, he's, uh, he's he, it's only 11, I think, 11 charges Um not the 13 charges because two of them were added later. Um, but actually, he, uh, he he's not out of the water because, he, he you know, this sounds like a good thing. Um, but there's also some kind of bad news for Sam Bankman-Fried. Basically, he's been accused of using the media to harass a key witness, uh, none other than the CEO of Alameda Research, Catherine, uh, Caroline Ellison, who is supposedly talking. And he, he leaked some stuff, some messages to the New York Times. Uh, we can pull that one up too. So, um, and yeah, go ahead, Mike. So, so you're saying that the charges dropped against him had to do with him funding the Democratic Party? Yep. <laughs> so, so what what exactly does that entail? I'm really curious to uh, you know, like, 
how if I if I give the Democratic Party or the Republican Party a boatload of money, and I've used fake fraud money to to uh, do it or the biggest Ponzi scheme the world has ever known, however you want to describe this, uh, and then I turn around and give it to the Democratic Party for whatever reason. And yeah. now these charges are dropped as if I never gave them the money. Well, it's funny, isn't it? Because, yeah, um, it, the, the, the one charge that could severely implicate, implicate politicians here in the U.S. has been dropped, right? Because when they start to do discovery and investigations into it, they'll see all the names of the people who donated money to. And he even donated money to the people who were doing the investigation into him, right? The Senate Finance Committee is headed by... The Democrats, is it? Uh, it's Maxine Waters. Yeah, Maxine Waters, right? Who <laughs> he donated to, right? Um, so it, it's kind of amusing. Yeah, I, I mean, how does the DOJ have any authority to? I feel like we should have like a third party government doing this type of work now because it's it's ridiculous where they're like we're going to just drop anything that has to do with politicians on this one. And, and we'll keep these other things going on. And then the woman that's kind of spoken out about all this, we're going to, we're going to, you know, say she was getting harassed through media, which he didn't own the media. So how is he going to harass her through media? Well, well he linked, uh, sorry, he, he supposedly leaked a text message conversation to the New York times. Um, I can read you out that. So basically uh, they say that he, the, the prosecutors are saying that he should be now jailed. They're accusing, they're basically saying he's violated his bail um, because he, he gave the New York Times some personal correspondence by Caroline Ellison. She was the CEO of Alameda Research, cryptocurrency trading hedge fund, offshoot of FDX. Um, but basically then his, uh, either the judge or the, is it the, um, basically, Having contact with the press alone shouldn't be witness tampering, um, but setting out to tarnish Ellison in an international publication read by many potential jurors in the New York-based case. Uh, so he's crossed a line towards inappropriately influencing jurors, intimidating the, in a, the witness, and sending a message to prospective jurors. So he possibly could have violated his bail. They think he should be locked up until the trial. Uh, I mean, he's basically under house arrest. He has to be confined to his parents' house, but... Yeah. How does how does that work? Like, oh, where's the proof that says he leaked this text message? I mean, it's a phone and it's a text message. I mean, someone else could get it. Someone could have picked up his phone and done whatever with it. And they're accusing this guy of leaking this text message on purpose. It seems like, you know, they're trying to clean this up quick before something gets uh exposed and and these two things almost and how i look at it it's like it, it, it's tandem you know the doj drops anything that has to do with the the party donations and then here they're like well we need to put them in jail now right <laughs> I, I i mean i'm worried about what happens with the whole we put them in jail does he end up like epstein like what's going on here it seems like he's the fall guy, doesn't it? But they're trying to protect everyone else that could be implicated. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying this guy did anything good. Let's be clear on that right now. I'm just, I'm just really confused on, on, you know, here's this kid who who's kind of been run through the ringer, basically, 
and, and I can only imagine what the real story is on the back end. Oh, I you bet know, it's here, wild. Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. Like, like if he lives 20 more years, like let's read the memoirs of Sam Bankman fried. Like that's going to be, that's going to be a reading material. I want to hear about the pen, the Bahamas penthouse potties, you know? Yeah. I mean, you can hear about those anywhere. Go watch the Wolf of Wall Street. You can experience probably similar <laughs> uh, details to his parties. But but ultimately, it's like, how did you really start this FTX? And right. how did you manage to rope in all of these celebrities to back you? And yeah. then on top of it, you know, now you're the second largest donor to the Democratic Party behind George Soros. We all know George has the most amazing, amazing hedge fund in the history of hedge funds. This thing's grown 20 percent year over year for 40 years straight. Like if you want to make money, go ahead and uh, follow George Soros's hedge fund. He's doing 20 percent this year, guaranteed. Uh, that's not financial advice. That's just how that system works. So it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. I, I'm, I would love to like get that guy to, you know, talk get him on the show. Yeah. Just, just any conversation with him, you know, you're going to be like, yeah. Whoa. you know, <laughs> well, I think he's not allowed to talk at the moment, but uh, yeah, well, it would, would be amazing. Clearly they don't want him to talk. They're trying to, they're trying to put him in jail for potentially leaking a text message as, yeah. you know, incriminating to somebody that, in my mind, isn't going to have that much uh, substantial back. Uh, you know, th that's just a crazy claim to turn around and say that potential jurors could read the New York Times article. Like, how many people read the New York Times every day and pick up those articles? Are you serious? <laughs> it's not, not it's not so many anymore, right? <laughs> like, yeah, it, it just seems ridiculous. But, you know, uh, speaking of crypto, uh, and, and wonderful systems set up in the financial markets. What happened with that FedNow story? Right. So yeah, that's um, it's a pretty cool story. So FedNow actually was uh, was activated, right? They switched it on last Thursday, uh, and it's already become self-aware, and it's about to destroy the world. No, I'm kidding. Um, Cyber <laughs> not. Yeah, it's not Skynet. But anyway, uh, so they released a press release, basically, um, you know, outlining what's happened and uh, the system is switched on and there are 35 early adopter banks um, of which I think JP Morgan Chase, US Bank are included. Also Wells Fargo is in there and basically the banks have access to it now. So they are going to now work out how to use it. So it could actually be months or even a year or more before you can actually send a FedNow payment um, because the banks are trying it out first. Um, we know how much is it going to cost. Uh, at least for the banks, it's going to cost 4.5 cents per payment. Uh, that's what the banks are paying the Fed for it. Uh, they will actually charge us more, all right? Because, for example, ACH costs uh, like half a cent or less than half a cent per payment. Um, and, and the banks then mark, put a markup on that to charge right. consumers. So this is 4.5 cents per payment. Um, so, yeah, they're obviously going to put a markup. So, you know, who knows what it'll actually end up costing maybe a couple of dollars or something to send a payment. But, uh, you know, if you're sending like $10,000 or something, a couple of bucks, you know, isn't going to be a problem. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of people, they sort of feel, oh, is this like the start of a more centralized financial system? Are they going to release a central bank digital currency to go along with this? Um, I mean, that's a possibility in the future, but just this system alone, 
from what I see, they're really just competing with real-time ACH, which is a system run by the clearinghouse, which, you know, if you've ever done an ACH transfer, which I'm, I'm sure you have, Mike, yeah. anyone in the audience, if you get your paycheck paid into your bank account directly, that's most likely an ACH transfer, automated clearinghouse, it's called. And there is a real-time version of that, uh, but only certain, you, both the bank, the, the receiving bank and the sending bank have to be signed up for it. So it's not as common. Most ACH transfers, it takes, you know, overnight uh, to get to your account. Um, so FedNow, it's an immediate version, um, but it's really just, it's basically competing with real-time ACH. And like real-time ACH, both banks have to be signed up for it. So both the receiving bank and the sending bank. So really, um, you know, this isn't something that compete, is going to compete with credit or debit cards. It's, it's something for larger payments, most probably business to business, or maybe sending paychecks so that people get their paycheck immediately, um, that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, I don't believe like the sort of scare stories that some people have, have you know, shared like, oh, we're all going to be using Fed now for every payment. And if we, if we post the wrong meme on the internet, our payment system will be turned off. I don't really think it's like that. Yeah, maybe in the future, but at least not, not now. Well, it's got to be a slow roll, right? They're not going to come out and, you know, say, here's the central bank digital currency. Here's Fed now and turn in your dollars so you can get more digital currency than the dollars are worth, you know, enticing the population. But fundamentally, ACH direct deposits, like, you know, as a company, you're going to pay anywhere from 15 to $30 a month for that yeah. fee. Um, if this is four and a half cents, I still don't see them trying to create uh, a per usage cost to a to a small business or to 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 individuals because it's still not going to be worth it but they're going to probably charge 15 bucks a month so that right. they can do it because you know if you do a hundred oh. of them it's four dollars oh, uh there's one point to make there's a 25 a month fee for every routing number that receives fed now payments so you pay 4.5 cents to send but for every routing number that receives, you have to pay $25 a month. So that means that if you wanted to receive your paycheck through it, you'd be paying $25 a month. Yeah. Ouch. Quite a bit, that's, isn't it? That's going to be hard. <laughs> that's going to be hard to catch on. People are going, I'll wait a day for my paycheck, right? Exactly. And, and why do people care about getting their paycheck one day early? Because if it's, if it's on the same day every month, then it's, 30 days or 31 days in between paychecks. So what, what does it matter if it's one day early, you know, maybe I mean, it's out of sync with your rent or your mortgage or something, but. I know some people that, that really struggle sometimes to, to keep up with that one month. So in their mind, it's going to go, all right, I got one day earlier. My check's 29 days now, but, but then they have to, no, but it's not. Cause then they have to wait 30 days for the next one. Exactly. No, <laughs> but there's, there's a reason why payday advance companies are so prominent. You know, it's it's because the one can, month when you switch to Fed now, you get 29 days, and then after that, it's 30 days again. Right, but it, but it's the same concept of trying to get loans on purchase orders for your business, right? So if you turn around and say, "Hey, I have a purchase order for for 10 million dollars," and then you're like, "Can I get a loan for the five million to make sure that I can produce this 10 million dollar order?" Same concept, you know, you're trying yeah. to use this money to get that money, and so. I think Fed now is it's fine. It's not going to affect anybody's life for at least a year. And really, what it does is it allows clearinghouses to clear their money uh, every moment. They don't have to wait to clear the bank numbers at the end of the day. 
they're going to be able to clear as soon as the market closes or whatever time they decide is good for them. So, yeah, I, I, I let's see what the CBDC has to do with all this, the central bank digital currency. Um, you know, I know Sam Altman just dropped his world coin. So, you know, that, we'll be that's talking another, about that in a few minutes. Yeah, that's another crazy, interesting story. But I mean, Fed now, it, it's been all hype, really. Up until right, this yeah. point, there's 35 monster banks using it, and anybody else is not a trillionaire or you know worth half a trillion dollars is not playing in this farm. Well, let's um let's move on and talk about you know speaking of large amounts of money. Let's talk about this 9.2 billion dollar loan that uh, Ford has applied for. Um, why don't you take yeah. that away, Mike? So the last time Ford applied for uh, a loan or received a loan, they've, they're, they're now like kind of closing this, but it uh, was in November 26, 2006. They were about 18 months ahead of the economic recession that came to, to everybody who, who lived in 2007, 2008, all the way to 2012. We saw the the worst financial times since the Great Depression in the United States, and Ford was forward thinking. They turned around and got a twenty three billion dollar loan uh, eighteen months before that, and they leveraged everything that they had. You know, the blue oval that you see for the Ford, they leveraged that logo. They said, you know what? If we don't pay you back, you own Ford. They leveraged their whole company wow. when they did this, and. Uh, at the end of the day, they didn't owe the government any money because, yeah. you know, 18 months later, you had places like General Motors and they got sold, didn't they? Uh, no, not GM. It was a Fiat Chrysler got sold. See, well, they merged, right? So, so, they merged, so yeah. Chrysler had taken over prior to that. And then Fiat and then Chrysler dumped, um, or I mean, Daimler dumped Chrysler. And left him with no cash, right? So, so Daimler clears out the the bank and then says, "All right, we're done with Chrysler. We'll take your uh, twenty billion dollars and uh, have a good day." That's what that's what Mercedes did to uh, to Chrysler. So, fast forward a few few years, and you have a company in crisis along with General Motors, and they both plummeted. Uh, with everything they had to take out, you know, as the government was handing out money to everybody anyway, they were like, we'll take some of that uh, $14 billion later. And uh, the government actually made money on that, you know, cause, cause they basically got the, the return from the stock options. And when yeah, they, yeah. yeah. when they sold it, you know, I think there was a good net profit the United States made on those stocks. Uh, so it's pretty interesting to think about. But recently, the Department of Energy is now the loan, the loaning company to uh, Ford, and they're taking $9.2 billion to build three battery factories. This originates from the Income oh. Redun or Inflation Reduction Act. Act from uh, the Biden administration, which is kind of like an oxymoron when you're like, yeah. We're going to flood the economy with new money. What? <laughs> right? We're going to flood the economy with new money, but the inflation is going to go down. But interestingly enough, inflation has kind of curbed itself, but I don't think it had anything to do with this act. No. This, this act. Oh, the Fed. The Fed was, raising rates. Well, they raised them again, 25 yeah. basis points. I mean, they said they're not going to stop till October. Um, but, yeah, the, the DOE has... 
two or four hundred and twelve billion dollars in lending capacity now to to lend for energy projects and and all the above. Now, prior to this act, some of their biggest loans were like five hundred million dollars. Now these guys have to get rid of a pile of money. Um, and if you go to to this article and you scroll down a little bit, Brian, you can see where they're allocating all these funds. Uh, there's a chart or uh, yeah. So you, you can see all the different places that they're doing. There's, I think it's $20 billion to the tribal community. Wow. Uh, that that hundred percent. Elizabeth Warren will be pleased with that. Yeah. I mean, good identification for her. Totally understandable. Uh, I, I mean, what a nightmare there. For her people, you know? <laughs> oh, so the, they have to take this money and then loan it. But uh, they did a partnership with a company called SKON from uh, Korea, their battery manufacturing company. So they're going to build two facilities in Tennessee and one in Kentucky or the other way around. A, a and, lot of this is for green stuff, isn't it? Like green energy. Yeah, that, that's basically what they're trying to do is pump the green energy. And I'm still I'm still at a loss. I mean, if you if you looked at some of the the burning fires in Kuwait for tires and you look at like how China disposes of their energy resources that they need, like green energy to me is is not even realistic in the United States. You know, it's like we, we don't contribute on any scale compared to what what happens with the the Asian market when it comes to uh, emissions and things like that. You know, we're we're, we're less than one third of their issues. So, yeah. So like fracking, if you really, fracking already helped us lower it considerably, didn't it? Right. And so it's uh, now you, you head over to, to Asia and, you know, the Middle East and you start talking about the emissions that come from their recycling habits and, and their detriment to the planet. It's, it's not even, it's not even comparable. Like we have so many laws, we have the EPA, we have all these different things that restrict us, which is great to some extent, but how are you going to compare it to the other parts of the world? You know, it seems like every year there's a new problem, but the new Ford's going to put together this electric vehicles, which is interesting because they were the first ones to announce that they were going to use Tesla's charging stations with Tesla this year. So I think it's kind of interesting that it's going to take place. I don't know, you know, what they're going to really try to achieve and how long it's going to take to build this factory. I mean, Tesla built their gigafactory in China in nine months. I'm going to put that pretty much on slave labor. Um, if not very close to slave labor, uh, given the Communist Party's uh, unethical and unhuman uh, acts that they perform for against their people, so. But they're they're also building another one in Mexico, and the estimations there are eighteen to twenty months, which is realistic, and that's crazy fast to build a, you know, almost yeah. a million square foot facility. So we'll see how long it takes for Ford and this Korean company to build out their gigafactory examples. Tesla is actually building a distribution center in Orange County, New York, which is, uh, well, it might not mean anything to the audience, but it's basically where I am uh, in the country. Tesla <laughs> to open distribution center in Orange County. 
So it puts us on the map. I mean, yeah. don't you guys have a Legoland there now too? We have Legoland. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, distribution center for batteries. Let's hope they don't leak. That's all I'm going <laughs> to say. <laughs> uh, but I, I mean, that'll probably create a lot of articles there. Yeah. Or not a lot of jobs, uh, jobs and jobs. stuff. Like yeah. That. So it, it's a good thing. But Tesla is taking a little bit of fire recently for their manual transmissions and then their stocks with their board and their stocks. What are these, uh, what are these manual transmissions that you were talking about? Oh, so I, I guess the, what it turns out is the, the manual transmissions don't allow the cars to, uh, upgrade their services and uh, to create new software updates. So they're, they're getting hit with different lawsuits. So which them. ones have manual transmissions? Is it the early ones? Well, first like, editions. Like, yeah, the first what? edition Model S's and stuff. Okay. Long, you know, I mean, 2009, 10, 12. I see. Old school ones. The first ones you saw driving down the road and you're going, what's that? The, you know, kind of yeah. like when, when the Karmas came out. Remember those? The what? The Karma electric vehicles. No. You never heard of them? Yeah, they they uh, they came out, but I'm pretty sure they're done now. They were okay. they were around the emerging around the same time as as Tesla, and the Tesla kind of put them into the so you know put them to the dust. But I think they had some electrical issues. Um, they they were catching fire and things like that. But we'll see how it goes. Ultimately, this this issue with Ford, I'm curious if it's like a predecessor, right? Because we, we know the rest of the world right now is not pumping at the same caliber the United States is. Right, yeah. The, the, the rest of the world is, in my eyes, doing half of what we're doing still. Yeah. And it's like, and we're slowly slowing down. But, you know, all the numbers say differently. But when you really start to get into the trenches, you go, well, this person's looking for a job. This person's looking for a job. And you know, a year ago, no one was looking for a job. They were going, I'm busy. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of the same sentiment I was getting in 2009 when everybody was like, I'm looking for a job. I need a job. I'll do anything. I need to make money. And so now it's just starting to well, 2009 though was, was already well into the. Yeah. But I'm, I'm saying like, that's when, that's when things were really, really loud, you know, your uh, neighbor, when the unemployment rate peaked and stuff. Yeah. yeah things got pretty reckless, but you could see it in 2006, especially in the Midwest where you had companies, you know, like Ford taking the $23 billion loan and to try to stay above, above water, which they did good for them, but we'll see what happens and see if it turns out to be what it's supposed to be. Um, I think we'll still stay above water in the United States, but we'll probably see growth. Especially right, with so the, it could be a leading indicator that they that a recession is coming, not financial advice. <laughs> it could be, but also I, I definitely look at it as an indicator that we're slowing down growth. Yeah, that's for sure. With with the commercial uh, buildings, commercial, all of that stuff, we're definitely slowing down our growth patterns. So well, let's um let's move on, Mike. So because we have another sort of crisis out in California, the Hollywood uh writers strike well it's not actually writers it's writers and actors strike isn't it it's the first time they've striked together 
for like yeah. what, 40 years or, 60 or more? years. First time they've they've done a strike together in 60 years. Now, the oh, Writers yeah. Guild of America started in May, right? But recently, the the Screen Actors started to do uh, strike as well, and they're all they're all they want 11 percent raise in the baseline and an 8 percent raise over the next two years. Which is and let's just um just to clarify it for people who might not understand. So. The Screen Actors Guild is like their union, right? Which they're all part of. So, but the majority of people in this union are not like Brad Pitt. You know, the majority of the hundreds of thousands of people or tens of thousands of people, the majority of them are, you know, people who play small parts or play extras or whatever, um, which there are literally tens of thousands or over a hundred thousand of these people who are actors, but they're, you wouldn't know their names. And there are, the union sets certain rates for them. Um, for different productions and stuff. So that's what they're asking for a pay. And a lot of them aren't actually paid that well. You know, you think, uh, um, what's his name? Well, Leonardo DiCaprio gets like 20 million per movie. But uh, the, the minimum that you can be paid per movie is actually not very much in different roles, especially in the non-leading roles. Yeah, so only there's 160,000 members in the Screen Actors Guild, and only 12% of them make over $26,000 a year. Wow. So that kind of puts it in perspective. And then you think about it, the highest paid actor last year was Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. And that guy got over $200 million last year. I don't even know what he was paying from or what he was doing. I'm sure there's 10 movies that'll come out. Uh, part of me says it has to do with Fast and Furious. But, uh, you know, he, he seems to always have a new show or a new movie dropping every couple of, you know, every six yeah. months, something like that. And so, and then Brad Pitt was next in line, or not Brad Pitt, uh, Tom Cruise next in line at a hundred million. Wow! So that was the the Maverick, uh, yeah. Top Gun, which makes sense. I mean, that movie did, did excellent. But so most of these guys are just trying to fight to get above inflation. I mean, can you imagine living in California and making twenty six thousand dollars? Oh a my year? goodness! Uh, in LA, know, yeah. Now we know yeah. why there's ten cities; they're all actors. Um, <laughs> But, but I, I'm a firm believer that says, you know, if, uh, if you need a union to make sure people are paying, then that's not free market enterprise. I, I, I would say if, you know, if someone wants to work for, for $2, then let them work for $2. It's on them. If they don't want to, they don't have to, you right. know, go find somebody yeah. that's going to pay you what you want. But so this is a really, this is a union move, but it's interesting to think about like Disney CEO, Bob Iger said that, you know, the striking actors and demands are just not realistic. And it's like 11% over 26,000 is what? $2,700. Yeah. It's not that much, is it? Yeah. Uh, like, and here's this guy. He's like, I'm, I'm clearing like 50 mil this year personally, but 2,600 for that guy who's trying to survive and is in, the background of every movie we make, uh, they can't get a couple grand. So it, it, it doesn't seem realistic. I mean, the real effect that's going to be is in six months, seven months, eight months, when, when the production houses like Netflix and Apple TV Plus and Sony and Paramount, Warner, all these guys are like, we got right, nothing yeah. new to come out. <laughs> Well, that's what one billion, I forget who it was, but there was a certain billionaire who said this. He made this comment. He said, by the time this ends, 
there's going to be like a lag because it will take time for new productions to be made even once it's finished. So there's going to be a period of time where there's not enough content on all these streaming platforms and stuff and people are going to stop subscribing or people are going to cancel subscriptions and then that's going to cause a cash flow problem which means then they can't make new productions or they have to borrow money to make them. So it's going to create a sort of vicious cycle possibly that could really ruin the whole entertainment industry. So it's actually a, a pretty pretty big thing. It could be the downfall of Hollywood or whatever. Yeah, well, they, they say right now the potential impact's about $4 billion. That's from the Milliken Institute. Uh, uh, that was written two weeks ago. So yeah. now the Emmys are canceled, right? Or postponed. So... You know that that's a big deal to that world. Is once once the Emmys are canceled, what are you gonna? How are you gonna make? Why are they this? why are they canceled? These people can't go to the Emmys. Yeah. yeah, are they paid to be there? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You you definitely get checks to show up to anything when you're famous. Oh wow. So yeah, the 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 Emmys are on hold. They're postponed, or officially postponed actually. But the average you know the average Hollywood actor makes about twenty seven bucks an hour, which you know, is we think $27 is pretty good, but you know, they're not working 40 hour weeks. They're not, no, that it's, it's, and it's freelance, isn't it? So it's kind of like comes and goes, you know? Yeah. It's definitely got, got that up and down roller coasters. So, you know, they know the work that they're in. I think that, you know, they'll come to a, a so eventually something's gotta, gotta give. Otherwise, I, everybody that's a CEO of these large production houses is looking at it going, how am I going to get new content? Do I go and, to uh, Canada? To Brian produce? just added uh, in the chat, you know, the terms of their strike is that they cannot promote anything, any movies in this period. So the Emmys, I guess, would be counted as promoting their films and their TV shows. Uh, it's TV, isn't it? Yeah, so promoting their TV shows. So that's that's why the Emmys is canceled. Well, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, they can't promote anything at all. No, that's that's part of the terms of their strike. They they they're not working and they're not doing any promotion for any TV shows or movies. Wow. Apparently. Well, no, no interviews. Look, the uh, the union has released a strike rules that prohibit actors from promoting any new movies or TV shows. Uh, this means Barbie and Oppenheimer premieres are likely to be the last for a while okay so those two movies are kind of like the last ones i guess because they're already in production but any new ones they're not they're not oh, doing man. dune was dune was supposed to drop this year i was looking forward to it brutal <laughs> oh all right well i guess i'll just have to go watch stuff from angel studios that's fine it's a little wow. bit more hard-hitting oppenheimer cast walkout i was gonna go watch this movie actually i was gonna take my son but then i found out it was rated r Right, it's got one scene in it. Yeah, it's got a sex scene in it that that bumps it up to R. Otherwise, it would be PG thirteen. What's the point? Like, what? Was I think. It really um, worth it? What's this guy? Christopher Nolan. I think he just wanted it to be rated R, so he put a he put a hard he put a sex scene in there to to bump it up. Yeah, that's yeah, that's ridiculous. I, I Chris, Christopher Nolan. He, he does a lot of self indulgent stuff for the just for the sake of it. I'm I'm not really a fan of his movies. I don't know. Some of them I like. Some of them I don't. Uh, yeah, we're, my, my kid's just pretty obsessed with, uh, you know, the whole atomic bomb and he's read read books on it and things like that. How he, he was reading a book about a, how a man uh, was in Hiroshima 
and then he he left after the bomb and got on a train to go to Nagasaki, and then he was in both bombs. And I was like, "Whoa, what a crazy life!" You well, know, when it, when it uh, comes out on streaming, you can just down you can just fast forward through the sex scene because the rest yeah, of it's right. PG thirteen. It's it's literally that one scene that makes it R. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's people that say it was important to the character, but yeah, I don't think so. You can always imply close the doors cut to the next scene exactly yeah 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 there's ways and means to to perform that appropriately yeah you got silhouettes uh, outside the window or something you know like yeah, you right. don't have to you yeah. don't need to be graphic it's yeah. really not needed uh you know i'm a firm believer in that so we'll see what goes on with the screen actors and guild and the writers all at the same time i mean i'm curious to see it is interesting that. to see the sort of collapse of hollywood whilst sound of freedom is doing really well it's kind of like the two things are very linked up as if the sort of climate is shifting you know the stars sort of aligned for sound of freedom and kind of right. like yeah interesting to see you know you know and i saw sound of freedom and i still don't understand what's the craziness behind it like they didn't even imply anybody or well, anything. I, like I the think it steals people it, it hits too close to home for many of the people that's involved did you see uh anthony weiner he went on patrick bet david's podcast valuetainment and patrick bet david asked him about sound of freedom on on the show right and you know weiner is like he had the laptop with all the oh yeah yeah crazy yeah, stuff yeah. on it right uh sexual text messages with like a 15 year old or something or whatever it yeah, was yeah. Like, with a minor right yeah and and he's <laughs> he goes he goes, oh, yeah, you know, I, I don't know much about it, um, Sound of Freedom, but I, I hear it's uh, it's a good movie, yes. Um, like, he totally faked it that he didn't know what it was. He knows exactly what it is, <laughs> right? For sure. Uh, and then and then he, he said, um, someone asked him, well, you know, do you think it's a problem that there's people, you know, kidnapping children and doing child pornography? And then, and then he says, yeah, you know, I mean, any type of pornography is, is terrible. You know, there's lots of men who are addicted to pornography. He lumped it together with regular pornography, like adult consensual, you know, he lumped the two things together and the guy next to him was shocked. He was like, you're seriously lumping those two things together? You're, and he, and he kept going with it. He was like, yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah. Any pornography is bad. You know, it was, you can look up the clip on YouTube. It is. <laughs> it's shocking. That's ridiculous. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's a pretty, pretty hard hitting stuff when you really, when you really get into it, into the trenches, knowing that it happens here in America, I'm waiting for them to come out with, you know, part two, where they really dive into what happens inside of our borders, you know, where, where you hear all these stories and you see these articles about people finding people and you're like, that, that was in where Houston, California. What? Yeah. Crazy. Because so, they've definitely, um, they've definitely been doing here I, i'm gonna post this if you guys want to if we want to check it out quickly because it is kind of shocking here i'll post it here in the chat maybe uh yeah pull maybe, it up maybe brian can pull it up and we can just check it out with everyone because I, I i was shocked when i saw it it's mind-blowing i haven't seen it so i want to see it that's for sure yeah i haven't seen the movie yet either i i really yeah here we go i've read a lot of any movies to be honest but no, okay. i don't uh do you think uh, uh you know the stats they quote and sounds of freedom which is the, as a father of four you got one that's 11 about to be 12 i got an 11 9 7 and a two-year-old so you know 
the the mindset of a father where when, once you have a kid, you're no longer in one place. You're always in two places. If you got one, three places, four places, five places, so you're continuously everywhere. Um, they quote the stats of 20 million new child pornography pictures have been uploaded on the internet the last 12 months. That's a 5,000% increase in the last uh, five years. Uh, the fact that it's a $150 billion industry per year, pedophilia, uh, uh, human trafficking, the fact that you can sell cocaine once, but you can sell a five-year-old child five to 10 times a day for 10 years, uh, depending on what the age of the kid is, and that this is a crisis that is happening with minors around the world, with what's going on around the border right now, where kids are coming unaccompanied. This is a real issue. Do you see that as a top five crisis in America today? It's a, it's a huge problem. I have to, I, I didn't know that's what the movie was about. It's a huge problem, but I'll go beyond that. I mean, there is a multi, I don't want to get out over my skis, and it's probably a trillion dollar industry around pornography of all types. That is completely, I mean, I see guys in these rooms, you know, we have this, this notion of, of the eighth and ninth steps of making amends. And these guys who, who are addicted to pornography and the idea that every time they're watching pornography, it's probably a human trafficked or someone who's been exploited or someone who's forced into these things. This is a, this is a huge, a, a huge problem writ large i haven't seen the program but it's it sounds as a father it sounds it sounds horrible. But Anthony, you're not equivocating porn with child sex trafficking well Are what you? i'm saying is that 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 i i'm putting them in the same category i'm putting them really in, i'm putting them in the same porn, category consensual of, sex well hold on a second hold on a second versus child sex trafficking? we we have no idea we have no idea about what consent people have given whether whether they if you don't believe that porn is exploitive of people then I mean, you, you and I have a, have a different understanding. I'm not saying that all I, of it I, is. I'm I, not I saying, highly disagree. I'm with, not saying that all of it the is, theory. but I'm saying it's the same. It is. It's it's the same general problem that we're looking at stuff that's going on all the time, relatively out in front of us, that we don't really are thinking about the way that it's corrosive to society. I'm Surely, a, child children yeah, having that's sex basically is not the same thing uh, as adult having sex. That's 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 insane. Uh, you look at his eyes when he's talking there, man. He looks so like like he's not really there. You know what I mean? He's sort of just like like a robot. Well, I haven't really seen the movie, so I can't really remember. But you know, this guy is addicted to pornography. It's bad. All all porn is bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow! I mean, what a what a piece of work. I was you amazed know? that he actually went on that show, though. You know. Well, I mean, he's gotta he's gotta start trying to get traction somewhere, but fundamentally he legitimately said like like there's so many like don't get me wrong it's it's a duh, industry but fundamentally like there's documents there's signed paperwork there's all kinds right. of stuff that goes into it you know and he's talking we're talking it it's a completely different spectrum there's there's one thing he said that i guess is true is that if you're on the internet and you just find a piece of adult content you really have no idea whether it is consensual or not right. right that that's the one thing he said that is true but the way he talked he was saying it's all bad he wasn't you know there's it's like black and white there's obviously yeah. <laughs> you there, know, there was no like children you know yeah there, there was nothing that defined him as saying this is bad no yeah they, they should go after this it was like well we'll just throw it in the bucket 
Yeah, he was yeah. trying to dumb it down and make it no worse than any other point. You know, oh, shocking, man. And why would he do that? It's brutal. <laughs> brutal. Uh, anyway, let, let's cheer ourselves up because I know we got one more topic for today. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we got Sam Altman, the CEO of OpenAI, just dropped his world coin. Okay, now, what is this? Because I don't if, know anything about this. So let- if you're not familiar with WorldCoin, this is a, a cryptocurrency and project where he he intends to make sure that people of the world are can identify themselves. This is a form of ID. So you use this 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 eye scanner, this retinal scanner. You go up to and you get fifty World Coins, and, and so wow. right. Uh, but it's going to give up all your information for your retinal eye scan. Like that's. That sounds sketchy, man. Super <laughs> sketch, right? Like I, I didn't dive into it too much, but I was like, this guy is in charge of the largest AI company in the world. And he's like, let me scan your eyeball. <laughs> what? What did you just say? No, 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 no. And like these, these things are all over. So people are going up and they're like, you know, let me, I'll scan my eyeball. And then turns out you two can't. What'd you say? Yeah, 2 billion. Two, uh, sorry, 2 million people have had their eyes scanned. Already. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So he wants to use it as a world identification. Uh, you can't technically buy it on the US crypto markets, but Binance has it. Uh, Binance.com, um, right? Yeah, the one yeah. you have to use a VPN to access. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, but there's 143 million of these coins of which a hundred million were loaned out to market makers and re, you know, allocated to the investors who verified the projects orb technology and all that stuff. And, and it's interesting because it peaked out on Friday or uh, when it released and I don't know, it wasn't Friday. It was the other day. Um, it peaked out at $5 and 29 cents a coin. Oh, wow. And then yeah. It crashed. Uh, yeah, obviously. Um, but you know, the what it's worth now they're saying is around a penny but you know uh fundamentally uh yeah people lined up to go and get their eyeballs scanned for some world coin wow yeah i it just it's super creepy that that's that's the best thing i could think of is like you're in charge of chat gpt and you want to scan everybody's eyeballs and then make it their identification going forward. No, thanks. Yeah. And then I'm what good. does he do with the information? What does chat yeah. GPT do with it? It's uh, yeah, right. scary. Right. But you got people, you know, on the other side of the world where, where if it was at $5 a coin, that's $250. That goes a long way, you know, Thailand yeah. and, and could be places. a month's salary. Couldn't it? Exactly. Yeah, places. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think I'm. I keep keep your eye on this Altman guy, mm. given given his high level position in in OpenAI, his funding from Microsoft, and now his ambitions of the last three years to create a world ID through a retinal scan. Um, you know, all I can think about is is a movie where a robot walks up to you and like scans your eyeball with their eyeball, and they say, "You're good. You can go." You know, mm. like, or, they, or they say, oh, you're wanted for whatever. And then they put you you're in. You're wanted for up. a future crime, you know, <laughs> a thought crime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so you can see your thoughts through your eyeballs. Yeah. Well, 
we've done we've done some research into the future and you're going to commit a crime tomorrow you are arrested for a future crime yeah so Scary, what was that man. movie called that was uh tom cruise was in it a minority report well, yeah there you go yeah. future crime yeah so yeah I, I mean i'll keep an eye on it again we'll see where it goes uh the u.s isn't allowing the coin but something says that they'll allow the retinal scan I'm so sure they will. i mean there's a, there's other companies that already do that like clear for, for example the um airport yeah, security tsa TS, uh, does tsa do i think it's clear you know clear that's a similar yeah. thing it's a similar thing to tsa PreCheck, but it's a separate program and you can scan your eye and 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 basically they collect your data right so it's kind of scary no thanks you know? Yeah, no thanks. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'll wait. I'll wait in line. Yeah, well, I got yeah. TSA Pre is all right. I'm fine with that, you know, because they don't scan your eye for that. But, um, you know. Yeah, I I went through TSA today. It was great. Just kidding. Um, so yeah. You have pre-check or not? No, I don't have pre-check at all. No. Oh, you got it. You should do that, man. Then, yeah. um, as long as they don't make you take your laptop out of a uh, out of your bag, it's pretty quick. You can keep your shoes on. Yeah, you keep your shoes on, and and you're good to go. Like, yeah. But I, yeah, no, yeah. I saw those at. The, I was wondering what they were. I walked by them today, and I was like, clear. I'm not. It's like them. an alternative to TSA run by a private company. Yeah, it's just pretty interesting. Yeah. There's some research to do. Who runs Clear and why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam Sam Altman's brother. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sam Bankman Fried. <laughs> Skynet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, guys. Well, I think that's a good place for us to end it today. Uh, unless you've got any secret little <laughs> little topics, Mike. No, no, that's it. All uh, right, guys. Well, thank you very much for watching this episode of Dirty Money. If you're listening to us or watching us on any of the podcast platforms, do give us a five-star review. Share the episode with your friends. If you're on any of the micro-content platforms, TikTok, Instagram Reels, and YouTube, do follow us on there. Our, uh, what is it called? Our handle. Our handle is at Dirty Money Show on all of those. I was going to say our ticker symbol. That's stocks, isn't it? <laughs> right? Our handle. Our handle on there is dirty, at Dirty Money Show on all of those. So do check us out. Uh, thanks so much for watching. And thanks for joining me, Mike. I hope you enjoy your uh, your concert that you're in uh, in Tennessee. Nashville, for. Tennessee. Woo! We'll see how it goes. <laughs> cool. Have a good time, man. And we'll, talk, we'll see all of you guys next week. Bye-bye.